This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. As a wise man once said, it's the basics of football. Something City just aren't getting correct right now. It's Thursday the 7th of December. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Joe Ritchie. And I'm Alex Michelle. And this is the City Report Podcast. It's here for Gundogan! It is a thrilling start for Manchester City. The fastest ever goal in an FA Cup final. 2023 is the City treble year. Champions of England, FA Cup winners, and now, at last, Champions of Europe. Manchester City are kings of Europe. Now they have their triple crown. Well then, chaps, um, I don't know if it was the 90 minutes itself, but I've brought a, Jack, a bottle of Jack Daniels up to do this recording with us. Um, as you can probably tell, listeners as well, struggling with a little bit of a cold. So excuse my voice. Um, I did pass the late fitness check, but only just. Uh, Joe, I can see you sipping away at some tequila. So um, yeah, I'd like to inform the listeners we are okay. It hasn't got that bad. <laughs> we do we, we do record uh, late at night, so it is socially acceptable. This is not at like 8am in the morning. Um, but yeah, how are you doing otherwise uh otherwise i'm fine <laughs> yeah yeah uh nothing good tequila can't fix i wa- i literally walked in the door after work said hi to my wife went straight to the freezer took out the tequila and then walked into the studio and i'm like all right let's let's gear up for this fair enough um yeah fair enough alex was your uh, evening as um as miserable as ours? i was i see you've not brought a drink up so that must must mean something but um dear me that was a terrible game of football yeah i'll get to drinking in a bit in a bit i think uh, <laughs> i need a bit of time to, to cool down but no i mean aside from that result i'm doing well so can't complain about anything other than city at the moment Lovely stuff. I, I don't know if it's the copious amounts of flu medicine I've had over the last 24 hours or it's the whiskey, but I'm I'm kind of weirdly excited to get into this because it's, it's one of those games which I feel like happens once a season where 
I'm, I don't think the crisis talk was acceptable for the last three fixtures. City were great. City should have won. Uh, they weren't great. There was issues, but City should have won. Whereas that was just an outright dog shit. It's one of those games where you log on Twitter and it's just providing the entertainment, scrolling through, seeing the takes. You agree with some, you disagree with others. So we're going to try and sort of break that down. Um, Alex, I'll start with you. Let, let's sort of just try and give our basic thoughts on that game because I said before the match I didn't expect to get a point well maybe I expected to get a point but I certainly didn't expect to get a win however I don't think I would have expected it to happen the way it did City not registering a shot of any kind after the 11th minute um was it as bad as it looked because it looks pretty bad yeah, I mean, on my debut last week, I think you asked me, is this the worst game we've seen <laughs> under Pep? And <laughs> I think you can ask that question again. Um, was it? I, I, I think so. I think this is up there. I, I think my answer mm. last week was, it felt last week like we got 90% of the moves right, and then it was the final 10% that mm. didn't go our way. And this week, it feels like we got 0% of it right. So, I don't really know. I mean, we'll get into the details and, and start to answer some questions. But for me, it's, it's difficult as to where to, to point the fingers because it feels like it's a collective issue right now. It feels like just this team is not functioning as we know it to be. And mm. yeah, as you said, the past few results, you can argue that they could have gone either way. And tonight was just so one-sided that I think if anyone was in doubt that there were issues with this side at the moment, tonight puts away any of those doubts. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a decent place to kick things off. Um, Joe, my, my head has felt a little, a little bit like a hamster wheel in the past, sort of. Well, probably since maybe not so much the Chelsea game because I think everyone just put that as a one-off. But obviously, there's some issues that have carried over. So probably the last two weeks, I've just sort of been jumping from conclusion to conclusion to conclusion because it, it, in one, and I kind of wrote this in the in the article I did for City Extra this week, where you know you're saying on one hand, City have played really well in some parts. Specifically, the attack against the likes of uh, Liverpool, Spurs, and even that second half against Leipzig, even the first half in some parts against Leipzig as well. But there's obviously some, been some systemic issues that have cost City, and and you know it, it it could have gone one way, it didn't go the other. Is it a wider problem? Probably. Whereas this Villa game, City were roundly beaten in every possible aspect you could imagine. There was not one positive, I don't think, for City, apart from the fact that the goal they did concede eventually was a deflection. Have can you remember a game, even including twenty six? Even including 2016-17, I was going to exclude that, but where City have been that bad across the board. No, and I think that's the point to stress, right? There's been some ugly score lines. I think back to, uh, what was it, 1920, Ruben Dias' first season, the mm. Villa, uh, the excuse me, the Leicester match where right before he made his debut, like that was, you know, they, they got their ass handed to them. But as far as like every third of the pitch, every player that started came off the bench, Bar probably Ederson was a four out of ten at best. Like it was just mm. an utter dismantling of City's midfield. Um, I took trying to just figure out like on my drive home, try to decompress a little bit, and I was thinking about just like how many holes there were in the midfield. Um, and if you look at Akanji, Stones, Rico, Alvarez, and Silva, who I'd say were the main quote unquote midfielders, um, looking at duels, they were thirteen of thirty eight. They won a third of their duels in 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 the middle of the pitch. Um, to me, that really says a lot. 
in the sense that you look at Villa's midfield and they got whatever they wanted. Anytime City got on the ball, which we're so used to seeing in the other direction, is anytime they got on the ball, they were getting trapped immediately. Um, Villa players were all over the pitch. I thought uh, Kamara was brilliant. I thought Douglas Louise was probably man of the match. Um, mm-hmm. Just just one of those, like, it, it was the difference between a cohesive midfield that largely plays week in and week out and a midfield that was made up of two sort of three defenders, um, <laughs> which is so funny because when you think of Pep, like Pep's strongest sides are, mm. are based, you know, he's always said, I'd, if I could play with 11 midfielders, I would. Well, he had maybe three on the pitch, maybe probably two realistically. Um, and I, I, yeah, but at the same time, I think a lot of credit needs to go to Villa. I, to answer your question, I, I haven't seen a team take it to city, especially at Pep city like that ever, ever. Mm. Yeah, and, and totally, and and I was lucky lucky enough to be invited on the Holtcast beforehand. Um, wonderful podcast, Aston Villa podcast, and I was saying to them, like, guys, if if Aston Villa win, um, what would have been tomorrow, which is now yesterday, then that's for me. That's kind of the expected result, and it sounded crazy going into it. And I think you know the commentators were lapping it up. This famous historic victory for Villa, and it absolutely is. Take nothing away from them; they were excellent. But going into the game, Villa were in form. They had pretty much a fully fit team. They are absolutely flying. They are the last team you want to go away to when you're in a bit of a rut. And for me, it went to the form book. It went to how most people would expect. And and I guess part of that, um, Alex, is the fact that, you know, City squad was Fred Fredbear. And we'll get into some questions because we stuck a, a tweet out asking for sort of people's thoughts and people's questions. And apologies if we don't get to read all of them out today. We will certainly uh, go back to it to in, in next in the next episodes coming up this week but this is off Dylan um we were thoroughly outplayed in an away fixture without Rodri De Bruyne or Grealish is there a chance we're all overreacting and um I do think there's issues for City I know you've voiced it on on Twitter for the last sort of couple of weeks but I think that kind of plays into it as well City's squad was threadbare and if you just look at the, the the bench apart from the players who came on we're looking at Sergio Gomez Calvin Phillips Nathan Ake Scott Carson Ortega obviously Kovacic Nunes and Oscar Bob coming off the off the bench um I do think that plays into it and I think it's important we sort of make note of that because they are three players from City's best ever achievement and any team's going to be worse off without them 100 percent. yeah I think that's always the the saving grace for this side after a run of performances like this is you have that in the back of your mind where, you know, in a month's time, two months time, hopefully all those guys are fit. You know, we'll pick up some other injuries along the way inevitably, but you know, come January, come February, we should have the main guys back. And for me, I'm sitting here and yes, I expected this, this defeat today in, in some sense, like you did Amos, but I think I would still say that I'm as confident as ever about our odds for the title because you have that in our back pocket. And it seems like this is what happens every season, especially in, in the three-peat that we are following up, trying to go for a four-peat now, is City reach a sort of speed bump in the middle of the season, whatever that may be, mm. whether it was like last season with Cancelo's departure and the, the changes that need to be made. It, it's, how, it's how I know it's time to buy Christmas presents because it happens pretty much the same time <laughs> every year. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, my, it's just my body calendar telling me that we're into the winter. Exactly, yeah. It's just, it's just a cycle of how things work at City and I think how things should work for a football team if, if you look at the way that 
the calendar works is, you know, you rebuild in the summer and then you experiment and start to build chemistry with those players in the fall and inevitably have some speed bumps. And then you come up with whatever your sort of answer is come January, come the start of the run-in, and then you try to execute that. And, and City play that plan perfectly and it's resulted in three straight titles. And so for me, I look at this and... Yes, this is a low moment, one that is one of the lowest in recent times. There, I've seen so many stats come up where this is the first time this has happened under Guardiola. This is the first time since 2016-17 this has happened under Guardiola. And so it, it does feel like, like a bit of a, a panic situation. But at the same time, for me, when De Bruyne comes back, when, when Stones is fully back into the fold, and I do think that a lot of our the success this season rides on them being available into the run-in, but at least right now we have that hope. And I think having that hope is the one thing that we can hold on to. And I think that's something that, especially given how this team has done it in the past three seasons, that we, we can give them the benefit of the doubt in that regard. Yeah, totally. And I think um, it's probably what everyone's clinging on to at the moment. But the caveat to that is it can't go on forever. And, and as Eric Ten Hag once famously said, eras do come <laughs> to an end. Um, maybe it was just a season too late. Um, I, speaking of profit... Obviously, my name for those of religious persuasion will will know from uh, the I think it's the Old Testament. Amos was a prophet, and I, I you know take it back to to the summer. I did say that city could suffer with a treble hangover, and and it kind of feels like that's the case, isn't it, Joe? Um, I'll, I'll chuck this question in where, from Digsy as well at the same time to sort of for you to piggyback on. Um, is this dipper form really just about missing Rodri and De Bruyne, or is there something else at play? And I, I think. <laughs> Any team's going to miss those players when they're out the, the 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 side, but realistically, the treble winners should be able to cope without even you know throw Grealish in there as well. Doku injured, unlucky, but if and I go back to the summer when when City let players go and they didn't necessarily replace them or they replaced them with with players who sort of maybe didn't fit the exact same mold, and it, it does feel like this is maybe sort of bearing the fruits of what has been a, a, an underlying problem for the last couple of months. Yeah, I I think back to your comment earlier about the hamster wheel, and I feel like we're going round and round <laughs> and round about this. They let these players go. Manchester City did not let Riyad Mahrez go. Manchester City did not let Ilkay Gundogan go. Manchester City did everything they could to keep Kyle Walker from leaving, who was also very close to leaving. Um, and I'm not saying this at you. It's just like one of those, like, I'm seeing it all over Twitter. Just, mm. you know, they uh, they shouldn't have let these players go, and it's driving me insane because they didn't. Um, mm. it's been widely published that they would have, they weren't expecting Mares to go. They would have rather he stayed. Could they have made a bigger effort to keep Gundogan? Probably. Um, but, but, but that's same- how City operate, isn't it? Like we know right. what this club is. We know this club right. doesn't t- go balls on the table. And clearly we'll it's gotten them far, right? In yeah. the approach that they've had. So like, just to voice my opinion, that has driven me absolutely insane. With that said, mm. when you take a look back now, in beginning of December, there's still a long way to go in the season, but I think we have enough of a sample size to say this shouldn't come as a surprise. We've known from the get-go it's a small squad. We've known from the get-go it's a, it's a younger squad now. We've shed a lot of senior, established, well-accomplished players and brought in a Jeremy Doku, who is 21, a Vardiol, who's 21, from different leagues. We've brought in Matthias Nunez, who is young and coming from a bottom half borderline relegation side to Manchester City. Mateo Kovacic, probably the most seamless transition. 
but at the same time, he's been in and out with injury. Um, just, you know, all these, it's probably been the least cohesive and consistent team we've seen under Pep, but I've, I'm not surprised by that at all. And I don't mm-hmm. think it's one of those where we need to point fingers. We need to say, oh, it's on Cheeky. It's on Pep. It's on these players. Like, I believe Pep when he says the commitment's there, the drive's there. But again, you're looking at a squad that's burnt out. Like they've played a lot of football. And then the players that you're relying on haven't played a lot of football under Pep. So what do you expect? Mm-hmm. And then you look at, you know, just to kind of wrap it up, like you look at the Villa side, they're under a manager who clearly has lit a fire under them. They have a cohesive unit. They've won 14 on the bounce at home. Um, it reminds me a little bit of Klopp's Liverpool in the sense that like they they can play a lot of the same 11, maybe like rotate one or two players, but they have that, you know, they know what they're doing week in and week out. There's been so much change at City that I don't know how you can expect good performances on a run like this. So I, I've certainly overreacted in our group chats. I hope that doesn't get leaked because I probably said some, <laughs> some stuff I don't really stand behind. But when you take it back, it's like, what what do you expect at this point? Mm, yeah. Alex? Yeah, I think to to throw a question back at you guys, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, Joe. And one thing that I would like to sort of pick at here is something you said about us relying on new players sort of a bit too much potentially. And something that I've been wondering myself, and I've heard a lot of people say that they don't recognize this team right now, that it doesn't feel like a Manchester City side. And I think we saw that today with with a sort of lack of, of control. And we've heard this sort of control versus directness discussion around Grealish and Doku. And the thing that I want to ask is, do you feel like this team is caught between identities at the moment? Do you feel like this team is struggling with an identity? And if so, do you think that that is because the side aren't able to do what Pep is wanting them to do? Or is it that Pep has intentions and he wants to change the side? And this is just the sort of growing Mm. pains of that. I I do feel like there's... um... Some similarities between this time, well, this year and this time last year, when albeit sort of it was more January because of the World Cup and it, it knocked it on a little bit. But I remember back to sort of those, well, the Southampton games, the the obvious one, but even matches before that, Everton at home, for example, where the question was City just aren't creating chances. And weirdly, I think the Aston Villa game is more of a one-off than the games that we saw before it because I think that the, the if we're looking at problems <clears> this season, I would suggest they came more in the Tottenham, the Liverpool, the Chelsea match as opposed to the Aston Villa game. Because, look, you look, yes, Aston Villa were great, but you look at City starting 11, you go, you know, it is what it is. Um, and, and it does feel like City are just sort of in that, or, or Guardiola perhaps is just in that period where he's looking at stuff. He's, he's trying to find a, a, a more, more, more of the not like 14, 14, 15 plays who actually work, let alone just sort of can find a system because it has been one of those seasons. And yes, I have frustrations with the with the uh, recruitment in the summer. Um, not so much Gundogan, really. Uh, I, I said at the time, it felt like a nice way for it to end. Yes, his profile would have been great in this squad, but I don't know if he fixes a lot of the problems that people sort of seem to be sort of saying he would. It's more about the squad depth, which is is, is an issue that obviously has hurt City in the past. Um, Joe, I'm, I'm going to rattle through another a few more questions because we've had absolutely loads come in and, and I just want to quickly throw this at you because it's been a growing talking point. I know you've got opinions on this as well. Um, this one's from Merlin's Wand. Um, Gvardiol, an overpriced, expensive luxury. Discuss. And this one comes from Rob. What happened to our defence? We've added Gvardiol and we're just not as strong defensively. Is Ake not starting a factor in that? Um, 
Ake's exclusion for this game has left me wondering quite a bit because I thought he was a I thought he was a lock to start. Um, Gavardio played on on Sunday. I thought he was okay. You know, he's 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 had a rough couple of weeks, but I put that down to the system. City isolating themselves in one v one situations, whereas it felt like this was a game for Ake against Villa's wingers, against Villa's attack. But there he was, sat on the bench. Yeah, again. Yeah, I um. You know, it's funny. I was going to say I'm not a betting man, but I am a betting man. Uh, I, I would definitely <laughs> bet that I, I just don't believe that Nathan Ake is fully fit. I, I think okay. he's doing the John Stones of he's in the match day squad. Sometimes he's getting substitute minutes. I just don't believe that he's fully fit. There is no, there's just no other reason why he wouldn't be starting. Um, okay. I, I, I agree. But to, to sort of play sort of the annoying host devil's advocate, imagine he is fit. What do you say then? Because... People then it's inexcusable. Okay, okay. Then it's it, it's absolutely inexcusable, and that that is far more a compliment to to Ake's ability, experience, and composure than it is a knock on Vardiol. Uh, he's not an overpriced signing, a uh, luxury signing. He's a player who is again, like we said this with with Jack Grealish uh, in the beginning days. We said it with Rodri. Like players don't pick their price tag. That 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 is not up mm. to the player. Yeah. Um, Vardiol is is a player who we're going to look back in probably two years, I'd say, and look at him as probably a top three defender in the league. Um, I, I have the utmost confidence in his ability, but he is he came to City as a defender who is not known for his one v one ability. And you mm-hmm. look at Phyllis' sole goal tonight, and to me, it's it's on Vardiol. He got turned way too easily by Bailey, and it led to a goal. That happens. He's twenty one. People make mistakes, but if Ake's fit. To your point, Amos, there's like, why wasn't he starting? He's the perfect defender to go up against these wingers. Um, we've seen him put, you know, great performances in against Mo Salah, uh, Bukayo Saka, you know, these these elite wingers. And a night like tonight, you'd think he's exactly the type of player that you need. If nothing else, just his experience and composure. Um, I'd argue he was probably City's defender of the year last season. So, mm-hmm. again, I can only think that he wasn't fully fit. Um, and if he was... It's weird, like, he's not the player to cause a bust-up in training, so it's not that we know Pep's raved about him, so is it that he's trying to get Vardial minutes and, you know, Ake's the odd man out? I don't know, but to me, it's like, if he, if he doesn't start soon, then something's going on, whether it's fitness or behind the scenes, I just don't know what. Mm, yeah, um, it's it's certainly an interesting one. I, I, I said for the Spurs game that I felt he was going to start, then he didn't start. And I said, well, it must be because in, in Guardiola's mind that he, if you know, side by side on paper, he has this Villa game as the more difficult one. And, and therefore, he's not going to play uh, Ake twice in the space of four days. So, you know, Villa Park is the game that he goes to instead. Obviously, neither happened. Um, and, and yeah, it just seem, it does seem a weird one. Like you say, if he isn't fit, then that is... I totally agree. I think it's inexcusable because he's 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 City's defender. He he was there last season. He was great. I have a question. And I'll I'll point this to Alex. Do we all think that Nathan Ake is a left back? Meaning, I I would have been fine with Vardiol starting tonight and Ake at left center back. Okay. Like yeah. to, to awesome. me, like there's there's ways to get him. Clearly, Pep doesn't have a problem playing players out of their main position. We saw that tonight. Mm-hmm. So why is Ake, again, if he's fit, why is he not getting in at left center back, at left back? To me, you're you're a better team when he's on the pitch. Yeah. Am I missing something? I agree with what you're saying there. I completely agree. I I don't know if the, if there's something going on. I mean, you feel like we would have heard something by now. It's not necessarily like 
this day of media mm. for us not to hear if something is going on. <laughs> it feels like everything gets out. And yeah, I completely agree. I think I would have enjoyed seeing him start over, you know, whether it be over Ruben Diaz or whether it be over Kyle Walker with Ruben Diaz playing on the right or something. I'm not entirely sure, but I agree. They can play together in terms of Ake and Vardiol. And I don't know. It, it is a bit of a shock. Like I, I would mm. sort of turn around one thing. And I, I do think both Vardiol and Ruben played really well tonight, generally speaking. I think mm. Leon Bailey was exceptional in his own right. And I think they did as much as they could to stifle him. I, I do agree that Vardiol made a mistake leading up to the goal. And, you know, as you said, that happens. He's 21 years old. But aside from that, and of course, the deflection off Ruben's leg for the goal, I think they stifled him as, as best they could, given how much pressure was constantly coming at them. And so I do think that those players played well tonight. And it does somewhat justify, in my opinion, Ake being on the bench, but still, I, I still would have liked to see him out there. I still agree with you, both of you, and think he was the better fit for this one. And it is a bit mind-boggling. Yeah, certainly. Um, one of many questions that have propped up in the last couple of weeks, it has to be said. Um, I tell you what, let's take a quick break. I'm going to top this glass up. I'm going to have a sneeze. I'm going to blow my nose and hopefully maybe take a couple more uh, flu tablets before we get into <laughs> some more questions. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season, and the same goes for McDelivery. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. We are dissecting what was another poor result for Manchester City. That is now four matches without a win. Um, Alex, this question comes from long-time listener Anna, and they ask, why is Pep so annoying? Now, I guess that could probably mean quite a few things. Um, it's, it's a little bit ambiguous, but I'm going to do my best to interpret it. Let's go with the team selection, eh? Because we said before the game that City was starting this, uh, starting this match with a midfield free, if we can even call City's system a midfield free. Obviously, plenty of players stepping up and interchanging, but it was mainly made up of a centre-back, an 18-year-old and a backup striker. I mean, it sounds like one one of those shit jokes. A centre-back and 18-year-old <laughs> striker walk into a bar and suddenly they, they lose 1-0 against Villa Park. But were you hoping to see maybe uh, Kovacic in there and Mateus Nunes instead? It, I love Alvarez. I think he's wonderful. But without the, and I'm going to say the word, control to performances, City kind of need a guy in there who can put the foot on the ball. And, and obviously Grealish was missing. Phil Foden is, is never going to be that guy. And, and that's to his benefit most of the time. Bernardo Silva's in a little bit of a rough patch. It just felt like the game was, particularly Kovacic, who I, I, I've seen people giving some stick um, online and, and, you know, each their own. But I thought he did. I thought he was one of the better in, in, uh, introductions, it has to be said. It felt like a game where he, you know, with the experience, probably should have been in there. Um, that, that was just my thought anyway. No, I would agree. I mean, 
I predict lineups as both of you know, and I predict the Kovacic uh-huh. to start today. And I was pretty shocked to see that he wasn't starting. And I think exactly what you pointed out there, that would be my biggest gripe today is the word I would use to describe Akanji, Stones, and Alvarez, and Rico to a degree, is I think all of them as midfielders are passengers in a sense. And what I mean by that is when you have Rodri in that midfield, he is the one who is facilitating the play. He is the one who is setting the tempo. He is the one whose body language dictates what City do for the most part. And none of those other guys have that about them. They don't have that that presence, that command of the midfield. And they shouldn't necessarily have that. I mean, they're, they're defenders and attackers by trade mostly. But you need to have someone who is able to play that role if you have Rodri out. And for me, Kovacic has not been as great as you would expect as a Rodri replacement when he has had to come in at times this season. But comparatively to all those other names, I do think he would have offered that sort of almost maturity in a sense, that, that midfield maturity that you were you were looking for. And also to add in one other note, and I know some people will, will say that that I'm sort of, you know, continuing to beat up on Kyle Walker because I have talked a lot about Kyle Walker in recent <laughs> times. But I think I just think that if you put Kovacic into that lineup and you drop Akanji out of that midfield and you allow Akanji to play on the right instead of Kyle Walker, you almost Which fix is two where he played for City in a Champions League final, by the way. Exactly. You know, it's not like he's it's a guy who's not position. played there before. It's his best position 100%. And Kyle Walker is great. Like Kyle Walker is great in, in general. I love him at City. I, I think I said that exactly <clears> he was last yeah. week. <laughs> I'm getting deja vu. <laughs> exactly. But he's just not what City need at the moment. He doesn't have mm. any sort of difference-making ability on either side of the ball necessarily right now in a game like this to justify him playing. And he has started in 15 out of 15 Premier League lineups this season. Mm. And just had one final note here to go back to what I said before about the cycles of City and this portion of the season being the experimental portion of the season. I'm fine with Kyle Walker starting a majority of games, but he has not yet to be benched in a single Premier League game. And the question that I have to mm. bring it back to Anna's question about Pep is if we reach the run-in and a, a side without Walker is the best possible side, what did you gain from this portion of the season by playing him every single match? I just don't understand that. Yeah, it's a totally legitimate question. And again, I, I'm not waxing my own ego here, but I go back to what I said personally at the start of the season when I would have... I don't know if I, I don't know if it's the right call. I don't know if keeping him was the wrong call. It would have been the wrong call. I don't know that that's sort of all in retrospect. But I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have minded him leaving. I think City would have coped probably just okay, just about okay if he had a gone. But I said in the end, him staying is 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 probably the best thing. When you lose Gundogan, you know, your captain, you've got someone who's there who knows the club. Who probably does, you know, at heart love the club as well. The fans like him. That's a great asset to have. My only issue will be if, and I said this, this is going back. This is what I said. My own, my only issue would be if he starts every game because I, I felt like he was a player who would be great to have on the bench and, you know, play half the matches. Just look at the performance against Vinicius Junior, for example. You know, that would have been wonderful to have him just bring him in for those specialist matches. Um, you know, cricket, uh, cricket fans will know this, but a little bit like you have these specialist bowlers at times who could come on and, you know, maybe a little part time and do a little bit of off spin. And it, you know, it sometimes catches the opposition out. The fact he has played near enough 100% of matches is, is one of the travesties of the season. One of the issues I think we need to sort of really address because, uh, Joe, just quickly before we move on, 
I, I, I don't know, you know, we can speak about his decision to be captain. I, you look around that team, you probably do get to him his term, in terms of one of the leaders, at least against Aston Villa. It's difficult to, to sort of see who else would go in there, but the over-reliance on, on a, what is he, 32-year-old Kyle Walker? 33. Possibly 30, 33. 33 years old. And, you know, age is just number to a degree, but at, at the player he is, and I'm going to echo Ollie McCool, who's been saying this for <laughs> the best part of a year, he's the sort of player who's, whose traits and abilities will catch up with him with age. He's not going to be a Luka Modric playing on until he's 36 at the highest level, 37, 38, however long it might be. The over-reliance is a worry for me. And I think if we are going to, and, and I'll, in fact, I'll throw in this question as well, because it's about, it's from Aaron, it's about uh, the, the January transfer window. Who do we sign in January? If we're going to go into the market in January, I wouldn't mind a fullback. I, I mean, I would have liked a fullback this summer, but like, and I, I love a transfer story as much as the next guy. Who do you get? Right? Like, yeah, who, true. And also, who are you targeting? What type of profile are you targeting? Are you targeting a, you know, like we saw Konza tonight for Villa play at right back, but he's really a center mm. back. So do you go target an Akanji type, a Konza type that can play both positions? Do you target a Jeremy Fringpong who's having a terrific season for Leverkusen, mm-hmm. but really isn't a fullback? Like, there's I, I not guess a lo- it, it depends what system Pep wants to go with, because you mentioned but that's Fringpong. The quest- he'd be, that's he'd the be great, wouldn't he? Yeah. So right, maybe like, it's just about finding out, finding out what system it's going to be. And, and it goes back to Alex's point earlier of like, we're in this weird transition. And it, to be fair, it's happened the last two seasons. City have had to adapt on the fly. You know, teams have, by no means have teams figured out City, but teams have adjusted to City, and so they've made mm-hmm. adjustments on the fly, and that's why we've had slow starts, strong finishes. But where, where where is this team, where is this tactical setup transitioning to? I know that we've targeted ball-carrying players, and, you know, it's been a little bit more aggressive and everything, but, like, what type of player do you target to replace a Kyle Walker to... To fill, I, I still think there's a hole in midfield. Um, you know, obviously Kovacic and Nunez are going to need time to bet in. Phillips is clearly on his way out. So there's one, if not two holes in midfield. What type of player do you target for that? So there's mm. a lot of question marks. And I think it's probably bigger questions for us as outsiders than the people in the boardroom. I trust them. They've done a great job. But I, I, I don't really know where the club's going um, mm. at a high level, which is bizarre because for so long... City have had such an identity, right? And it's been an identity that it's been easy to target a potential succession manager for Pep. It's been easy to target, you know, succession players at, you know, Vincent Company leaving, Aguero leaving. And, and obviously we've seen changes along the way. And for the most part, they've been great. But right now it just feels like we're in this collective change from mm. start, to, you know, from front to back. And again, I have faith they'll get it right. I just don't know where it ends. I, I don't want to be. I don't want to be the sort of the town crier saying the world's going to end because I, I'm relatively in isolation. I'm relatively positive about this season. It's still December, and I trust the manager who has done it for the last three seasons and, and five of the last six, whatever it is, to, to find it to, to find a way for it to work. However, you know, you mentioned those worries for the first time, and, and I don't necessarily think this time last year we were questioning the identity, the direction of the club. With, and I'm going to mention it, the 115 charges hanging over City, does that add a little bit more worry, Joe, than than, than before? Because this could all come tumbling down overnight. We don't know. Um, it says, what, 2024, 25 season in right. terms of the verdict, but that could come earlier. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I hate to be like the rain is falling guy or the sky is falling, excuse me, but the rain does fall in Manchester quite often. <laughs> but um, to me, the, the, the 
the biggest worry, and without trying to go on too much of a tangent, is mo- I, I fear Pep leaving far more than I do 115 charges because, like, mm. that's such a such a dramatic. Like, if the 115 mm. charges come to fruition and it, it's it's relegation, like that's a whole different conversation. That I just yeah, it, it'll be what it'll be, and I don't really care either way. But to me, Pep leaving, and I've said this before, like all these new signings. So you know, what drew you to City? Yeah, the European champions, but I really wanted the chance to play under Pep. Like that, that contract's going to come to an end sooner rather mm-hmm. than later. And to me, that's the biggest fear: is what does the team look like after that? And maybe we're seeing it a little bit now, right? Like Jeremy Doku, mm-hmm. we know wasn't a Pep signing, so are they already starting to plan for life beyond Pep? Which, to be fair, they probably should to some extent. But it goes back to this larger topic of what does the team look like? What does it look like mm-hmm. now? What does it look like in six months? What does it look like in a year? And to your point, we haven't really had to have those conversations five, six, seven years now. I know. Yeah. Dear me, that's worrying. Um, and I think, you know, going back, back to the Villa game, which this technically is a review of, but it, it seems to have got a little bit more <laughs> We've tried to just get past it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it did feel like it was very anti-Pep. Um Alex, let's let's finish because we had some questions which are by no means football related, and let's finish on the sort of last five minutes on a, on a lighter note. Um, this one from Kelly is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Um, now I've never seen Die Hard, and I never understand why people have this conversation about it being a Christmas movie. I'm just not a film guy. I'm just I've not a film guy. Either I'm either I'm either 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 die Hard. I've never <laughs> seen Die Hard either. Well, well, you're the wrong person, Alex. What the hell? <laughs> Um, why, why, I guess, Joe, why do people relate it to Christmas? Because I swear it's about people like throwing well, cars into walls and like gunfights yeah, and stuff. So, the reason it's such a hot topic of like, is it a Christmas movie is because it's no different than what is it, Harry Potter 3, I think. Like, there's scenes around Christmas. So, people are like, is it a Christmas movie? But like, the right. whole topic of the movie or the whole plot of the movie is not about Christmas. It's more or less along the same lines. Like, no, it's not a Christmas movie. But it's just this, it's almost like a meme at this point, like, is Die Hard a Christmas movie, just as a talking right. point. Okay, fair enough. Um, Kelly, I'm going not applicable, but Joe, Joe, was, was that a yes? Uh, no, it's not by my standards. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. By your standards? Uh, yes. Yeah. Is, is, there, is there like a, a I have cross, my own, a I have my own rules, yeah. Elf it's is like a Christmas ca- movie. It's like the Academy Awards, the Joe, yeah. the Joe Awards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, you can maybe try and answer this one later. Uh, later. No, it's from Leighton. You can maybe try and answer this one, Alex, from Leighton. Um, would you rather be stranded on a desert island with Michael Bublé or Mariah Carey? <laughs> After that performance, I'd rather be stranded on a desert island with, with bloody anyone. But if you had to pick Michael Bublé or Mariah Carey, Alex... I'll take Mariah Carey out of the two. Oh, what a difficult choice that was. <laughs> Are you shaking your head, Joe, as in that is the wrong answer? Yes. Yeah, I mean, you take Michael Bublé over. Yeah, have you? that man is, you want to talk Christmas. That, he's got the most buttery <laughs> voice. Mariah Carey is so washed. washed. Have, you, have you heard her try to sing? I, I, I mean, I don't think most people would pick it for the, um, the singing have ability. Have you seen but... her lately? Uh, uh. <laughs> Oh well, um... give me boobs. Give me the boob leg. What you went in a completely different direction. <laughs> um, this one is is kind of football related, Joe. It's from our good old friend Bill. Um, would you saw a limb off to bring Gundwan uh, back to the club? And if so, which one? <laughs> would I? Would I? Yes. Uh, what limb? <laughs> 
Um, oh. No, I actually wouldn't because it'll contradict <laughs> everything I've said earlier in this podcast. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that is objectively the correct answer. I think anybody, <laughs> Alex, sawing a limb off to bring a football player back to a club needs, um, needs checking on. Yeah, but it's, we're talking Elkai Gundogan, so like, Mm. Yeah, it's probably the right answer. But if there's a player I'd consider it for, he's up there. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I guess I guess that will do. There's a couple other questions that we'll maybe touch on later on in the week. But guys, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, Joe, thank you very much for joining us. It's been fun. It's been um, it's been nice to sort of just talk things through. Um, I guess is where we're at after that game. Yeah, no, I I uh, enjoy the chat. And again, like, I think we all just need to take a step back and recognize, like, if this season isn't a multi-trophy season, that's okay. Like, mm-hmm. we just came yeah. off a treble, a lot of ins, lots, a lot of outs. Let's just appreciate the good along the way, so... Yeah, absolutely. Um, Alex, maybe one day you'll come on after a, a comfortable 2-0 victory where we all go, hey, aren't City good? Um, it, it doesn't really seem to have been like that the last last couple of weeks, but it's been a pleasure nonetheless. Exactly. A funny time for me to uh, join the club, but uh, hopefully we will reach those predator days soon enough. And yeah, I would echo what Joe said there of, you know, give it another month, give it another two months. And if we're still panicking by that point, I think that's the real time to sound the alarm. But I think for right now, we can all sit back, look at whatever trouble winning merch you have sitting in your closet, relive the good old days and uh, just hope that, you know, winter rolls through christmas rolls through and we come out better on the other side of this i'll drink a drink to that um listeners if you can't be positive after that then you've got no helping yet um let us know what your favorite christmas movies are and if they live up to the um the joe academy awards then uh, (laughs) maybe that's what our next podcast will be about but guys it's been uh it's been great fun until next time then we'll see you later Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.